the QP union representing educational support workers. They took a strike vote. It was overwhelmingly in favor of it. So a lot of people could be walking the picket lines and schools would close across the province. Many of them would. Not all, but many of them would. So Sunday night, Stephen Lecce, education minister for the province, ready to introduce back-to-work legislation and impose a contract. You can imagine that doesn't sit well with the president of the Ontario School Board Council of Unions. That's Laura Walton. She joined us on Toronto Today to give us her thoughts. Well, you know, I think it's very interesting because there hasn't been a strike yet. Uh, what we were doing is following, following the legal requirements as set out by legislation. Um, so, you know, to just jump in whole hog and just take away everything um, really shows the lack of intent that this minister ever had in sitting down in good faith and negotiating with education workers in Ontario. Has your union moved closer to the middle than the 11.7%? I asked him that 10 days ago, and he said you hadn't. Have you? Well, that's very interesting because, in fact, we had. Um, and it was never 11.7%. It's always been $3.25. Um, and the reason for that is because it's the same amount of money regardless of how much people make, um, which seems to be very confusing to this minister because he just wants to keep making it a percentage. So there had been movement at the table um, with no movement from him. Um, and, and, and to be fair, he's not at that table. He sends people to that table. Um, but obviously he had directed the people at the table uh, not to move. And now we know why. Now we know why there has been stall tactics. Now we know why there has been such terrible offers coming in. Um, he had no intent of ever negotiating. Uh, and what he's got on the table is a mere nickel more than he had offered before and does not put any protections in place for the services that kids and families desperately need in this education system. So I do want to follow up on who's at the table and who isn't starting today. But your union asked the government for an 11 percent increase in wages. Is that not true? No, we asked for a three dollar and twenty five cent oh. flat rate. But how is it being characterized in, in through the media? And this is the first time I've heard it refuted that it's not it's not 11 percent. What like? But it, it is a percentage of something. So what would the percent be? Well, the problem is, is that it isn't a percentage of something because all of our wages are completely diverse in every single school board across this province. Unlike other um, sectors, there isn't a standardized wage for our workers. Uh, and so what an EA makes in Ottawa is not the same as what an EA makes in Windsor. What sure. a custodian makes in North Bay is not what a custodian makes in Toronto. So to put a percentage on it um, actually is really problematic because that doesn't mean that everyone is getting the same thing. $3.25 is everyone getting the same thing, whether you make $26,000 a year or whether you make $52,000 a year. Everybody would be getting the same three twenty-five. But it's been characterized before that the offer from the government was between one point five to two percent. Yes. So is that a, and that's like, what they offer? But 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 and that is what they offer. But why is it okay for you to say, well, the government's offering a percentage, and the government says, but QP's asking for this percentage, and and one is accurate and not the other. Either either there's a percent salary increase or there isn't. So they have offered a percent salary increase. We have asked for a flat rate increase. Because percentage salary increases further economic disparity between low-income earners and high-income earners. Okay. Um, 
Let me ask you about, uh, I asked you last time uh, how many part-time employees there are of the 55,000 QP workers. Um, some yes. of the data we gleaned said it's about ten to 12,000. Do you deem that as accurate? Yeah, I would say that's a little bit high depending okay. on how, what you determine is a part-time worker. Uh, and that's the biggest issue that we've had. If you look at the CRA example, uh, they say anyone who works more than 30 to 35 hours a week. You're the you're the point person for this. Stephen Lecce is the point person for the government. So you mentioned he's not coming to the table in person. When's the last time you were in the same room at the same time discussing this important issue? With Stephen Lecce? Yeah. Never. That's not good. (laughs) (laughs) Never. You've never been in the same room at the same time negotiating a new contract. Absolutely not. I have met Stephen Lecce in person once, and that was far predating the pandemic when he first became the Minister of Education. And you plan on, are there in-person negotiations scheduled for today? Absolutely. I'll be there today. I'll be there the next day, the next day, the next day. I will be there every single day until we have a freely negotiated collective agreement. How many hours will you negotiate today? How many do I need to? But what? But I'm what's a what's a standard? What's been a standard day so far? I think the public would like to know. Typically, is anywhere from eight to eleven hours. Eight to eleven hours. Would you like to personally invite Stephen Lecce to come and join Absolutely. you today? Absolutely. I'd be more than happy to have him join us. I think it's important that he actually hear from frontline workers and understand what he is proposing and how it's going to impact people. I would love for him to actually meet with some of the you know, frontline workers we talk to or some of the families that we talk to. For instance, we just saw a report yesterday um, about a mom who is outside of a Toronto school every single day because she needs to go in and provide supports to her daughter because there's not adequate staffing. There's nothing in what Stephen Lecce wants to impose that is going to fix that situation for that mom. And that is wrong. Laura Walden's our guest president of QP's Ontario School Boards Council of Unions. I had a long conversation with an elementary school vice principal last night, and he, he gave me the sense. He said, I'm all for getting more. My secretary is brilliant. My, or my receptionist is brilliant. Our custodians are fantastic. Our ECEs are great. But I know I don't need a big raise. They do. Do you want to hear that more from either union reps for the OSSTF or ETFO? Do you want to hear that more from educators who are doing well on their own, who really want to push in for the workers you're representing? I think that needs to happen to move this ball forward somewhat. Do you? I think, you know, it's, I'm really hesitant to say, you know, everybody should give up theirs to give to other, you know, give to us. I think we do need to lean in in solidarity and recognize that this low paid workers, you know, you can try and impose a collective agreement, but that's not going to stop them from vacating these jobs in mass. They can't afford to keep them anymore. And so I think what I really appreciated of that person is that they recognize that folks can no longer afford to do the job that they love doing and as such are going to be forced out of the sector. And I think that that's really scary. So anytime that we can build solidarity, that we can lean in and say, hey, listen, let's pay attention. But I also recognize that inflation affects everyone in this in this world um, and inflation is not caused by wage increases inflation is caused by corporate greed 
And while Galen Weston is getting more and more wealthy, we're seeing this government ensure that public sector workers will fall further and further in poverty. I think as well, this isn't a, this is me saying this, this is not a massive amount for the government. And when the government puts money into the system, it often comes back to them. They get money back in income tax. They get money back in sales tax. If more people are able to work and able to thrive, that ends up being a positive thing. I think what people worry about here is especially the idea that if a contract's imposed on your union, that there's potential that you could decide to work to rule. And that doesn't benefit anybody in the day. Is that is that a possibility that you'll work to rule if you're forced back to work? Uh, you know, any I, I'm not going to discount any possibility at this point, uh, because the one thing that I'm hearing is the concern in the workers' voices. I am actually worried that people will leave the system completely, much like we've seen in healthcare. The only difference is, is in healthcare, you need qualified nurses. In education, we see school boards using unqualified people all the time, and that's not safe. So my bigger fear is a mass exodus of labor as a result of this government's short-sightedness. And so your your case, you're, you're making the point, how do you replace that excellent custodian? How do you replace that excellent receptionist? Them? How do you replace the caring adult? I'm a mom of a 16-year-old. Mm-hmm. The custodians ask him every day how football practice was. You know, he has those connections with those people. How do you replace that? And you're right. An investment in education, an investment in, in education workers, we're not going to be putting our raise into an offshore account, Greg. We're mm-hmm. going to be putting it back into the community. We might be able to take our family out to dinner now, or we may be able to put our little one into a skating lesson. We're not going to be hoarding that money. We're going to be pouring it back into our communities. And I think that's something communities can get behind. Without pushing the boundaries of your household's privacy, you brought up your 16-year-old. What does he say about this? Um, You know, I make a joke all the time that during the pandemic, the only thing my son got was a degree in Xbox. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I, too, need my child at school. But what my son has recognized and has shared with me are the caring adults that are in the school and and how important they are and how he wants them to be there. Uh, he plays football with some of their kids. You know, he knows that these are stressors on those parents' lives. And I think kids are pretty smart these days. I really wish that I was as smart as kids were back when I was their age. Um, I think they see this government, um, as my son said, like, isn't that just being a bully? And I said, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's an ultimatum as well. To uh, A strike date is an ultimatum. A strike vote's an ultimatum in a way, too. Like, there's ultimatums on your side as well, aren't there? Uh, I think there's a difference between a strike vote and a strike date that is not a sure thing and a piece of legislation that will actually be a violation of the charter. But we have to plan like it's a sure thing. Parent, you know, you've heard them. They're in your neighborhood. Parents are scrambling for Thursday and Friday and next week worried that there's a strike. Absolutely. I absolutely understand that. But Mm. to come in and take away someone's charter rights because they are Mm. following a legal avenue available to them, that's a little heavy handed. I wish you the best. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your perspective on this. Good luck this week. Thank you so much. Take care. Laura Walden joining us uh, from QP, the Ontario School Board's Council of Unions.